morning we are going to ordain three uh, men to the deacon ministry. They've done all the hard work, and so now uh, they just have to listen to me talk a little bit more. So we're going to start. The main place we're going to be at, if you have your Bibles, is Acts chapter 6, verses 3 through 6. But we're going to actually start in Titus chapter 1, verse 5. So if you want to find Acts 6 and then flip over to Titus. While you're doing that, let's pray. Father, we know that you love your local church. And that as a local church in Ira, we know that you love us. And a part of that love is you've provided for us everything that we need to continue to do ministry here in our community and make an impact for your kingdom. So this morning, God, what a joy it is that you've given us three willing and qualified men to join the Ira Baptist Deacon Fellowship. I pray that you would use these men, their families, in this ministry, that you'd help it to strengthen our church, to unify our church, to grow our church in you in the gospel. I pray that you would use them uh, in their calling to be deacons and to serve well. Help us as a church to cherish them, to encourage them, and to love them. We thank you for these men, and we thank you most importantly that they point us to you, Jesus. That their lives are a sign that point to the gospel, and they remind us of you. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. I grew up most of my life, I mean up until fairly recently, thinking the phrase was, for all intensive purposes. Thinking if it's intensive, then it's supposed to be, you know, it must be important. It's intense. Only to learn that it's all intent and purposes. <laughs> Which is different. If you think intentional, that's what it means. It's, it's, uh, that's the idea there. It's, it's on purpose. It's intentional. We did it for a purpose and for a reason. And so we've been talking through adding three, uh, at least three, or adding deacons to the church uh, deacon fellowship for what seems like a while now. I know within the deacon body, the conversation started over a year ago about doing this and everything we've done has kind of been slow. It's been drawn out. We've made sure that there's plenty of time there intentionally and now we come this morning to this service which is kind of the culmination of it all to do what is called ordination now I'm, I'm assuming and I, I think to some degree or another you've probably heard the word ordain or ordination um, in some type of context but what I'm guessing and, and what needs to be important for us is we I don't know if you know why we do that, or, or more importantly, the more important question we should ask is, is it biblical or is it something that we just do? Because the word ordain is not really translated into our English Bibles. But if we'll look at verses like uh, Titus chapter 1 verse 5, if you have your Bible there, this is what we're going to read. Uh, this is Paul to Titus saying, the reason I left you in Crete was to set right what was left undone as I directed you to appoint elders in every town. So Paul is saying there's important things to Titus, this young pastor, there's important things while you're in Crete. Crete was a rough, rough culture. Uh, in, in Greek, if you said you were creting, it meant you were lying. That's the, the town, be, the, the island became so known for lying, that's what it meant to do. And so what Paul is saying is if you're going to have a healthy church, it doesn't matter, right? Just because you're large doesn't mean you're an unhealthy church. Just because you're small doesn't mean you're a healthy church, that there's something else that's happening here. And so Paul tells Titus, to become this healthy church, you need to appoint. That's the word that we get ordination from. 
And in this particular passage, he says, appoint elders in every town. Elders is just pastors. The Bible uses many words to, to describe pastors. Elders is one of them. So today, the ordination that we're taking place, we're not ordaining these men as pastors. We're ordaining them as, as deacons, but it's this appointing idea. And it's important for us, and it's important for healthy churches that we understand this. We need to see this. What Paul's telling Titus here is you appoint these men as pastors. And what you and I need to see is we're appointing these guys as deacons, but not just deacons in general, our deacons if we're members of the church. And this is an idea that's spread throughout uh, much of the Bible. In Hebrews chapter 5, verse 1, it says this, For every high priest taken among the men is appointed in matters pertaining to God for people to offer both gifts and sacrifices for sins. In Hebrews 8, 3, it says, For every high priest is appointed to offer gifts and sacrifices. Therefore, it was necessary for this priest also to have something to offer. So much of the book of Hebrews, if you've read Hebrews, is about how Jesus is better than and there's just a blank. Everything else. Jesus is better than everything else that takes place there. And in this section that, that the author is talking about with these appointings of the Old Testament priests, they're, they're, what does a priest do? They offer sacrifices. They go before the Lord for the, the people. They're appointed. So at the minimum, when we talk about ordination, what we see happening in the local church was the churches were setting aside those who were leaders in the church, this leadership uh, for pastors or, or even deacons that would be known and that they would be qualified. That's what ordination is. is it's us as a body setting apart these men or any man who's ordina- or, uh, worthy of this ordination and saying, we understand, we see you doing this ministry, and now we're just going to appoint you to recognize this. And so for us as a body of believers, we look at these three guys that we have that the Lord has given us. We look at our, our other deacons that we have within the body that are ordained. I'm ordained not as a deacon but as a pastor. And it's a, just a formal process that culminates in this service for our local church. So what does an ordination service look like in the Bible? This is where Acts chapter 6, verse 3 through 6 comes into play. I preached this passage this summer. I'd encourage you to go listen to it if you haven't uh, done so. Yet it lays out much of what a deacon is and much of what a deacon isn't and, and corrects and fixes some of the, the mistakes that we have going on around them. In Acts chapter 6, the context that's happening is the, the church, uh, Jesus has ascended, and then the church just explodes numerically grows by the thousands. Paul is preaching these messages. Thousands and hundreds of people are coming to the Lord, being saved. And what we see in Acts chapter 6 is if you become a Christian, right, there's no governmental uh, help. So there's no nursing homes that are available. There's no assistance. There's no food banks. If you leave Judaism and you go to Christianity, you lose the synagogue's help to provide for your family and to help you. And so largely what we see leading up to Acts chapter 6 is this massive need within this growing body of believers to help one another with things as simple as food. So this administrative need, this this mercy ministry had grown so much in the church. And then in Acts 6 we come to this point and there's people who feel like their widows are being neglected over other widows, the, the, the Hellenistic widows are. That means the, the Greek-speaking widows are being neglected, while the Jewish-speaking widows, the Hebrew, weren't. 
And so they bring this need to the apostles. And I love how the apostles handle it. It gives us an idea of what the church is supposed to do. Here's what the apostles don't do. They don't stand up and preach a sermon on being content and then just tell them to stop uh, crying about it. And they don't get up and preach a sermon on being fair and that Jesus is watching you if you're not distributing everything the right way. They come up with a plan. So Acts chapter 6 verse 3 uh, says this. Brothers and sisters, select from among you seven men of good reputation, full of spirit and wisdom, whom we can appoint to this duty. We will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word. This proposal pleased the whole company, and they chose Stephen, a man full of faith in the Holy Spirit, and Philip, and Proctorus, and Nicanor, and Timon, and Parmenes, and Nicholas, a convert from Antioch. They had them stand before the apostles who prayed and laid their hands on them. You see what the apostles do? They turn to the church. The apostles themselves don't say, okay, you seven guys are who's going to do this. They turn to the church and they say, appoint seven men. Appoint. Ordain seven men from amongst you who are going to fulfill this role. And what they're going to do is handle the distribution, the administrative needs, so that the apostles could focus on, did you catch what they focused on? The ministry of the word and the ministry of prayer. This is why I used to have it for the deacons meeting. It was a picture of a guy serving a plate. Because in Acts 6, what you have is the deacons tending to serving these foods, serving these tables, while the apostles went and served the word, did the ministry of the word. And there's qualifications. The ones mentioned here are full of spirit and wisdom, being of good reputation. And what's really interesting is if you break down the seven men that they select from this, they all have Greek names. Which means this church that's largely made up of Jewish converts and Gentile converts comes together, and it's the Gentile widows, the ones who are, the, who are uh, speaking Greek, those widows who are the ones who are feeling neglected, and so the seven men that the church elects speak their language. Which means the Jewish believers that are in the congregation said, we will put our widows underneath those guys because those are secondary differences, not primary ones. What a beautiful picture of the gospel. They didn't write down a bylaw to the Constitution that says they're going to have to treat everybody equally and they're going to have to trust the leadership of the apostles. They trusted these men to do this task well. They trusted the leadership of the apostles and they trusted the leadership of the new deacons. In fact, it's their widows who are going to be placed under these deacons. And then after the vote was tallied, did you catch what happened? an ordination service the apostles called those seven men up they prayed for them they they laid hands on them which doesn't mean fought be weird which means they put their hands on them they prayed for them and then they sent them off to be deacons to serve and all of the church was gathered and saw this 
and the body of believers now recognized those men as appointed, uh, uh, ordained deacons that were now their servants. That's what the word deacon means. It means servant. When it says Christ came to uh, not to be served, but to serve, it's Christ came not to deacon, not to be deacon, but to deacon. That's the word in Greek. It's diakonos. It means servant. Anytime you come across serve or servant in the New Testament, that's what the word is. What I love about the scriptures is if we begin reading the New Testament looking for this idea of ordination, what we see is it happens more often than we think. Which means as this church is young in the New Testament, as this body of Christ that Jesus is saving, this people of God is is young and they're growing numerically, they're also growing in maturity in Christ and in the word. That there are people who are being ordained to be deacons there are people in the churches who are being ordained to be ministers from there they're not putting together search committees and going over to try to find somebody to come in they're raising up their own ministers within the church dare i say that maybe as a church god is equipping and calling some of you to mature and to grow in your faith in jesus so that in the next round you would be qualified and willing to be a deacon too Dare I say that maybe what the Lord is doing in some of us, maybe some of you, is he's not calling you to be a deacon, but he's calling you to go into ministry and to be a pastor. It's something that takes time. It's something that takes slow. We need to, something you need to seek that the Lord for your heart. But if that's something God is laying on your heart that you think might be a possibility, come and talk to me. Let's pray together and, and flesh some of that out and see what's going on. How neat would it be? Just imagine with me. How cool would it be if our little church in five to ten years was continuing to ordain people as pastors and as deacons because we were discipling one another so intentionally? Acts chapter 14, verse 23 says this, And when they appointed elders and pastors for them in every church, they prayed for them with fasting, and they committed them to the Lord in whom they had believed. 1 Timothy 4 14, don't neglect the gift that is in you. It was given to you through prophecy with the laying on of hands by the council of elders. Ordination. 2 Timothy 1, 6, therefore I remind you to be rekindled the gift of God that is in you through the laying on of hands. Ordination that's happening there. Do you see this idea in the Bible that there's these people that the churches have set apart, view them as leaders, and they do the things they're supposed to do. If you're ordained in ministry as a pastor, you serve as a pastor. And if you're ordained in ministry as a deacon, then you serve as a deacon. What seems to be happening in the New Testament as we look at it is it's far more than just, hey, come, be baptized, and then just be content. It's come, be baptized, and then grow in your faith with other believers. And I love the Acts chapter 6, verse 7. At the end of this ordination service, this is what the passage says. So the word of God spread. And the disciples in Jerusalem increased greatly in number, and a large group of priests became obedient to the faith. That because this is how the Lord had orchestrated, and because the disciples, the apostles, had taken care of this well, because there was this unity that took place, and the church elected these men to be servants, do you see what happened? People got saved. So ordination is us as a body recognizing these men as our deacons now. 
not all of them. We have other, other men who are deacons ordained already, and they've put in a lot of work. So then, in a nutshell, what does this mean for them, you three, and what does it mean for us as, as the church? So for you, it means you're not joining a board that rules over the church. You're joining a fellowship that serves. You're not joining a council that's making sure the loud, uh, young, the young, loudmouthed, but handsome preacher doesn't do too many dumb things. That deaconing isn't about ruling or governing. It's about enlisting to serve. And it is an honor. You should feel the honor of this, but it shouldn't be received in an honor as a way of saying like, hey, you served great, now you're a deacon, now step aside. It's an honored position, but it doesn't mean you get to relax. What it's saying is, hey, you're doing all the things a deacon's supposed to be doing, now be our deacon officially. So how do you serve as a deacon? What should we expect from you? If we look at scripture, what we're going to see is deacons are assistants to the pastor. Just like we saw in Acts chapter 6, they took over the distribution of food so the pastors could study the word and pray. We need both. We don't need a gospel that just highlights physical needs and neglects spiritual needs. And we don't need a gospel that elevates spiritual needs while people are starving to death. We need a gospel that's a whole gospel and comes together. That's where deacons and pastors serve together in that. You need to be servants of the church body. If you hear or see a need, take care of it. Pray with members. Pray for members. Visit members. Care and love in ways that God has uniquely made you and qualified you to do. Help others to realize that the Lord is calling them. The qualifications for a deacon are not for a special class of Christians. All Christians should live up to those qualifications. Live a life to where the church body looks at you and we go, we were right when we ordained you. And be a witness to the world. Acts chapter 6 is where the deacons are ordained. And Acts chapter 7 is when a man named Stephen, who's one of the deacons is elected, preaches a sermon. Now that's the one difference in the qualifications of elders and deacons. There's nowhere that says a deacon has to be qualified to teach. While that is a qualification of a pastor or an elder, but that doesn't mean you don't. And so we see this sermon from Peter or from Stephen in Acts chapter 7. And you know what happens at the end of Acts 7? He's killed. He's the first martyr recorded in the Bible. Dies for his faith, a deacon. wonder how many people were at his ordination service how many people heard his last sermon how many people saw him suffering how many people wanted whatever value he held to that carried him through being stoned to death that that's what they wanted he was a witness to the gospel of Jesus in the midst of that being ordained or really being a Christian at all You need to understand the world is watching you closely. Make sure the message they hear is the good news of Jesus Christ. But this isn't a one-way street, church. How should we treat our deacons? What can they expect from us? You are not passive in this ordination service. 
This is us as a body of believers who have chosen these three men. We found them qualified. We found them willing to add to the deacon fellowship. So this means we have a responsibility to them as well and to our other deacons who are still uh, deacons. Life does not get easier because you step into the deacon ministry. It will get harder. It will be more challenging. That's how the enemy works. So we should pray for them and pray for them often. We'll ordain Weldon Prather, Tanner Evans, and Alan Fine, and they're going to join the Deacon Fellowship consisting of Daryl Colley, uh, Dale Jones, Keith Clements, and Billy Welch. And, and Hubert Clements is a Deacon Emeritus. He's, in, he's living the good life at the good life, physically unable to join us. But we should be praying for them. Write their names down if you have to. Pray for them. You need them to be a biblical deacon just as much as you need. Uh, they need you to be a church that's going to help them grow and serve. For your growth and for your care, you want them to be the best deacon possible. Encourage them. I'm convinced that in, in ministry of any shape, in any form, whether it's to be a deacon or pastor or just a common ministry you feel called to, that a common issue that comes up and one of the main things that the enemy will use against us is discouragement. Don't give false praise. Don't flatter. But don't always complain encourage them and tell them about it your kind words might be used to help them maintain and grow and serve better as deacons and follow them pastors serve by leading and deacons lead by serving so you have pastors who lead ministries and you have deacons who facilitate the ministry and who does the ministry the congregation as a whole they're not pastors, they're not elders. However, that doesn't mean that they do not lead. They lead by serving. Follow them willingly. There's no greater for blessings than people who will follow, encourage, and pray. So before we, we move past this section and get to where we're going to have the, the deacons and their wives come up and we'll pray for them, I want to offer this call this morning of the gospel. If you're an unbeliever here this morning and you hear this, I pray that the men that are coming to be ordained, that you might know them. And just by observing their lives, you recognize and you understand that maybe there is something about them that you don't have and you desperately want. Let me tell you what they have. Jesus Christ. They're qualified because Jesus has taken them and their souls and he has given them new life. They're willing to do this because Jesus has been working in their hearts long before this service, shaping them, informing them into men who are qualified to do this. They're not perfect by any means. But they know the one who is perfect and he offers grace and he offers mercy and he offers it to you too. What is keeping you from repenting of your sins and turning to Jesus this morning to be saved? If that's you, find me. Find a deacon. Find somebody. And they'll point you in the right direction. Maybe you're here and you're already a believer, but you're realizing you haven't lived your life in the way that the Lord has been calling you to. You know the best time to plant a tree? 20 years ago. You know the second best time? Today. Repent. Start today. 
pray to God for forgiveness. He will lavish it upon you. Apologize to others if you need to apologize to them. If they're believers in Jesus, they should accept your apology, hug you, and grow together with you. And then go live out the gospel. And here's the good news. We will fail again. And guess what? There's enough grace and there's enough mercy in the Lord Jesus and in the gospel to continue us through the rest of our life as we continue to fail and grow back in Jesus some more. It's not about perfection. It's about just following Christ step by step. Vince is going to come back up and lead us in just a short hymn of response. I thought about not doing this, to be honest. I thought about just, we'll dive into it all. But what I want our church to understand, one of the most important things that we do when we gather together is the proclamation of the word. And typically, we walk verse by verse, book by book, through passages of Scripture, through the Bible. And this morning, we walked through some passages, but we bounced around because we're tracing this idea of ordination and appointing and what that means. But I don't want us to just bypass this as some secondary thing that we did. This is what we're founded on, the proclamation of the gospel, the preached word. So Vince, if you'll come on up, he's going to lead us in a song and call our hearts and call our minds to reflect on God's word that's been proclaimed. And then we'll call uh, the deacon candidates up and pray for you after. So let's pray and then let's stand and worship Jesus. Father, we thank you for today.